Hey, this is Aaron Matthews. I'm here with... Emil Daniel. And we're here with... Ethan Nuttall. And we are here to entertain you, and you, and you, because this is the Entertain Us podcast. Now, we're going to sit down with Ethan this week and talk about a whole bunch of different things. We're going to talk about building props, starting and branding your own business, getting into the haunt industry, so building haunted houses and haunted your magic illusions. But Ethan, let's just start about how you got into horror. So I think that's something pretty interesting because I know that you have a huge love for horror and horror movies and haunted houses. So maybe what started your love with the horror world? Well, really, it started um, pretty much as as far back as I can recall. On Halloween, it was just it was a great, great holiday. Every single year, I wanted to make it big, bigger and better. Every single year, I had a home haunt at my grandma's, and it started with just a little porch thing. And every year I was making new stuff, inviting more friends. Then eventually we had actors, and I just fell in love with it. People loved coming by to see it. They'd come over early to see the process, days before to see what we were going to do, what the theme was. And it was a, a love that just has grown every single day since. Now, I know a lot of uh, entertainers and a lot of performers of us out there. I know that I do, and I know a lot of my friends do. We love horror. So I think that's a pretty interesting thing, just speaking about home haunts for a second. Because I know when I was younger, me and my brother and my dad, we used to build our own home haunts, little things in between the houses. We'd build out of old signs my dad used to have and stakes of wood. We'd like get a staple gun and like staple everything together and cover it with sheets. Um, so I think that's sort of an interesting thing to speak about. If anyone out there does their own home haunts or wanted to get into doing their own home haunts, something fun to do, something creative to do, um, what's a good starting point? What are the first few things you should do when thinking about doing your own home haunts? Uh, well, most importantly, I think, is have the general idea in your head. Give yourself a nice, lush theme that you can pluck some iconography, some ideas from, uh, to really, I guess, sell what you're creating to whoever's walking through your attraction or home haunt. Um, cause the more you understand in terms of theme and design, what you're creating, the more the people walking through it have to connect to. And I think that's a really important thing when thinking about creating anything is steaming. And that's a, also a really good starting point. Because I know when I like to create anything, I like to think about the feelings that the people who are viewing or experiencing whatever I created are feeling at that time. So whether or not you're feeling you're happy or you're scared or you should feel uneasy or you should feel grossed out or you should feel like I shouldn't be seeing this. The different feelings. So a great place to start with anything is looking at the theme. So what kind of environment you want to build and um, the feelings that that theme is going to evoke. Because then you can sort of build off there. You have a starting ground. Now, even when, when thinking of themings, what are some of the, the things you think about? Do you think about, like, the budget? Okay, if I want to do a jungle theming, I'm going to need to get, you know, fake leaves, and I'm going to need, you know, like a monkey, <laughs> for example. I can just use a meal. True, true. <laughs> Throw a meal up in a tree. Now, what are the few things you think about when deciding or saying, okay, this is a theme I'm going to stick to. This is a good theme. How do you know you got a good theme? Well, really, it's it's a personal preference onto what you yourself would like. But as a general rule for myself and something that I guess I would say for anyone, 
looking to start any kind of project in that is try not to limit yourself right off the get-go to what can I do with the money I have? Because really it just comes down to if you have less money, you just need to be more creative. So go ahead and try that jungle theme. Go ahead and make that Vegas stage show or whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you just realize that you're going to have to think a lot more creativity. Uh, creativity. Creatively. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Emil, times. you don't want to be his grandma coach too. He likes to crap on my oh, grandma yeah, every do. episode. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we got to do it right. Yeah, here we go. But um, but yeah, just gotta you gotta keep going at it. If if there's no way to do something, you know, down low on the budget, just gotta figure it out. Go Google stuff. How to DIY. How to make something cheaper that. They don't want you to know that you can do cheaper. You just got to figure it out and eventually it'll come true. Yeah, this is a, sorry, uh, this is a point I actually keep bringing up is when you're in a position of like necessity where you need to do something, but you don't have the means to do it like the standard way, you will find an alternative that works mm-hmm. for you. And it puts you in this position of like bettering yourself. So even though it's just like you're getting your project done, you're also um, improving your own strengths, like something to your own little portfolio of skills. Yeah, the more work you do, the more you're going to learn and the more you're going to improve the next time. And uh, even back to our show, I wanted to say as an example. So the show that me and Eason created for Screamers this past October, it was a 70-show run. We were doing a big whore gore illusion show, so a lot of these big bloody magic tricks. But we wanted to do sort of a Vegas theme with large-scale illusions. Now, when we started... You know, designing the show. We didn't know if we were going to get hired at any event. We didn't know if we were going to get budget from anywhere else. We didn't know if we'd have enough money to make it. But we loved the theme so much, we figured out a way to do it. Yeah. So that's sort of something, too. That if you love an idea, and in your mind, there's a way to do it, if it's possible, I say go for it. And that's something that we don't even talk about a lot, is um, the ideas you have. Every idea is a good idea. It might not work right now, but it doesn't mean it's not going to work down the line. So even if you start... I, I think any idea you can retheme. We were talking about the last episode, a short film. For example, Eason, there was a guy and he filmed a one-minute video of him walking up to a wall and trying to leave a building, but the exit sign was in a corner, not at a door. And he was just confused, just looking at the exit sign in a corner. And the guy made that one-minute video interesting. Right. Art. It's kind of it's like art. the um, the paint splatter on the wall, how it can sell for like millions of dollars. No, my little issue <laughs> my little issue with that statement was I don't think every idea is a good idea. I think every idea can be turned into yes, a good idea. Yes, yes, Uh But it's pretty f- fair to say that some ideas just shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> but I do think it's good. You are 100% right with that, Emil. But I do think it's good. To if you have an idea you love to do a little work on it, yeah, that's okay because you can always put those notes away for later. If it's something you love, and something that you can see yourself doing, you'll find a way to tie that in eventually in the future. Even yeah. if it didn't work, it's something you learned, and everything mm-hmm. that you learn, you can use in some way, shape, or form. Even if it's totally unrelated to what you originally sought out to do, you can use it for something somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. Like a big um passion of mine that I'm like really into is uh entrepreneurship and the whole idea of it. And um so I'm like in a lot of like these social media like groups and pages and like I follow these people entrepreneurs. Um and the common theme that they all say that I've noticed is 
the reason people fail is because once they failed once they quit mm-hmm. um a little like bump in the road doesn't mean that everything is over mm-hmm. uh and it's like um a different example of it would be like in a relationship there was a couple that they lasted together like 60 years and people asked them like what's your secret like how did you do this and they're like we come from a time where if something is broken you don't throw it away you fix it and hearing that i was like you know what everything i do is fixable and that's kind of the mentality i've been in and i think it's important like when you're working on a project or even like if you're in your career or anything um just keep working at it and keep getting better and fail and then succeed again and do it all over like get to where you want to be 100% cuz if you fail at something first you're going to learn what not to do you're also going to have the experience of doing hopefully something right in there you can say this worked and even above that you can say i enjoyed doing this you have experience doing a process and uh for example even our show the screamer show let's say we didn't get it sold that year let's say we didn't have the budget to make it we still have the blueprints for a halloween show guess what halloween comes back next year yeah and the year after, and the year after. It's an idea that we now have that we can go back to in the future. So it's never bad to work on something because you never know when you're going to be able to use it again. So I have a question for you guys. Do you guys plan on either revamping Screamers next year, doing it again, changing it up? Like, what's the game plan for that? Screamers or, or um, kill the Kill show. show? The Kill Show. Uh, the Kill Show, my bad. Yeah. Anything I ever do, I'm, I'm never happy with it. Okay. I always want it to grow and be... As big as it can. I want it to be like a Cirque du Soleil, mm-hmm. you know, at some point. Right. Like with anything. But, um, yeah, for sure. We want to bring it back. Um, we'd love to be back at Screamers to see those crowds again. It was a super good time. We met a whole bunch of great people. And we got a lot of really great reviews from it. Uh, we want it to be bigger. We want to have more gore. We want to invent some more uh, magic tricks and techniques to give people something that they honestly have not seen before. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that that show in particular does really well is that it's not, I guess, your run-of-the-mill, you know, brass rings and card tricks. Right. It's everything is made so specifically and is such a Frankenstein's monster of different tricks in one trick even. Um that you can honestly walk away from it saying, oh, wow, I've never seen anything like that. You know, yeah. where are you going to see, you it's, know, this trick and this trick merged together to do this thing. And it's, you know, water and blood is spraying everywhere. And it's craziness. It's something you don't expect. So and I yeah. think even uh, when we were doing this show, and this is something good to think about when you're doing your own performances out there, is we were already thinking about the next year or the future. Um, so that's something also good. You never want to be happy. You do want to be stay, happy. You do stay want to hungry. Be happy, but you do you want to stay hungry. That's a good yeah. way to say it. Yeah, you should clear, yeah, just clarify that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you always <laughs> want to keep pushing and doing more. So even though we, we love the show, we wanted to make sure it was something that we loved before we did it. Because why else would we put our time and, and money into something that we're not happy with? So we made sure it's a product that we love. But we always know that we can keep coming up with more. Mm-hmm. The, the sky is literally the possibility in entertainment because you can make anything entertainment. There's so many different things we can pull from. So it's a good thing to, as you're performing, keep thinking of improvements or keep thinking of next steps or different things you can take. You know, for example, we were doing the show in a weekend. I'm like, you know, this would work great for a college crowd. We can do universities with this. 
So it's looking at the audience you have, seeing where you could branch out and thinking of new ideas. Right. It's always watching, paying attention to yourself, what's going on, and your crowd. And I think being aware of all of that really helps, you know, make any project not a one-time thing. Right. Make it something that you can build and grow on. Because it, it's always good. You don't want to spend a lot of time into something saying it's done. You know, that's why a lot of movies you see, they'll try to set up sequels. Or they'll have sequels in the works. Because you don't want to just have one thing and it's done. Yeah. You want to have something that can continue and grow for a long right. time. The interesting thing to me about that project with you guys was, I was, um, like, I hang out here a lot with Aaron. And so, basically, I remember I helped a little bit with the scripting. I you know my feedback. Um, but to me, it was crazy when, uh, Aaron, you were telling me about the ideas. And to me, in my mind, I was like, okay, this sounds cool. But also, it sounds very silly, like, without seeing it. And then when the show, like, a few months passed, and then it came time to actually I saw your show, I was like, this is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, even though I don't like this kind of horror, like, gory stuff, like, just seeing it go from an idea to something that I thought was silly in my head, and then seeing it something really dope was just a big shock. And that's something that inspired me personally. Thank and you. And, like, man. now I'm revamping my show little by little, kind of, you know, changing little bits for my magic. Mm -hmm. um, Easton, you actually made the props for them, right, if I remember correctly? Yeah. You it, make all the props? Yes. Uh, me and my girlfriend and business partner, Natasha Day, we worked on the sound, the lights, the designing of the stage. She did costume work, uh, made a beautiful jacket for Aaron. Uh, we came up with the props along with the assistance of this great magician over here. <laughs> oh, thanks. He <laughs> yeah. wasn't pointing to a meal. <laughs> But yeah, it was, uh, it was a really um, a from-nothing kind of a project. We just knew, we started with the theme, the idea, we came up with a name, and we started to think, all right, what's the story here, and then what tricks can we make to help tell that story? And then you just kind of, you get to a whiteboard and start scribbling down, okay, how would we rip someone in half mm -hmm. and right. make it fun, and but also make it a real illusion, not, you know, some hokey... You know, some like little scrappy thing. That yeah. You see. Yeah. No. Put a scrim in front and just throw some blood at it and let them use their imagination. No, we wanted to use real magic techniques to uh, figure it out. So yeah, it was all from the ground up stuff, and it was really fun to figure out, and it was really cool, stressful on the first couple of nights to make sure everything worked. But yeah. When it did, um, it was really cool to see people really enjoying it. Yeah, remember, I think I came in during the second week, and you guys, like, were just, like, running back and forth, figuring stuff out. And I was like, I should help. And then oh, the only thing you said I could help with was moving <laughs> some sort of, like, machine to the, to the wall. And I was uh -huh. like, you know what? That's the extent of it. I'm going to let the pros do their jobs. Not my thing. <laughs> I thought you were going to say mopping the floor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that happened that later. a lot. Yeah. But, um, actually, that's a, that's a great thing you said a couple minutes ago. Um just about scripting that you you read something for this show and you you yeah. saw it as something that was silly till you saw it performed yeah and that ties right back into the script writing and keeping your ideas for the future because performance makes everything right so just because you can't see something as something that works right now doesn't mean you can't see it as something that works if you think about it a little different and you perform it a little different later so i just want everyone out there to just know that every single little piece of the process all ties in and everything makes right. the bigger show. And also use me as an example of, because um, the reason to me it was silly was I didn't have that same passion 
and this wasn't my project, I guess. Like, I was happy to see you guys working on it, especially, like, see my friend happy about a project he's working on. But it wasn't my project, and it's not something that I had that vision for. And so that's why, to me, it seemed silly, uh, even though to you guys, you guys are, this is dope. And it was dope. Like, you guys were right. Um, so take, like, anyone listening, use me as an example of, um, don't dismiss things just because you don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was completely wrong. It was, like, it was not silly at all. Like, it was really cool. Uh, and it, like, just, I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. You, you never know how you're going to see something, even on a day-to-day basis. I say sometimes when I'm sitting in here and working on ideas with my beatboxer, uh, Francis, who we do the shows with, we'll say, okay, we've been thinking about this too long. We need to throw on some YouTube or some music now and chill and, like, you know, just hang out and not think about it for a couple minutes so we can see it in a different light when we go back to it. Right. Because uh, literally, minute to minute, how you see things or the ideas you're going to have are going to change. And it's all, you know, knowledge is literally power. Like, that is your greatest currency, knowledge. One thing that I learned that you reminded me with with uh, what you said is in music, back when I did that a long time ago. Um, oh, I didn't know this way. Back up. Music? <laughs> yes. Oh. Well. We got a rock star in the house. I've had a couple of job titles. But anyways, <laughs> um, one thing that I learned that I really have remembered to this day and I think it's super important is learn everything and not just in like the cliche way oh go learn everything but in terms of music specifically and this can transfer anywhere if you're a rock star and you're in a rock band Mm -hmm. how can you make your music better just by listening to rock and roll and the same you know, classic rock icons that you've listened to your whole life. Yeah, you can, and you can be great. But one thing I learned is if you go listen to something you don't like or something you've never heard before, you go listen to some international music, some, you know, folk, some country, some hip-hop, you find things, if you don't like the whole song, you'll find at least something that you can pluck and, Mm -hmm. you know... You like from each different thing mm-hmm. and it you digest it into who you are and your idea process and your brain and all that. And it'll show up in your work and it'll make it so much more rich because somehow a folk rhythm will sneak into your next rock song. It'll still be your rock song. It'll have another layer of complexity, something different about it. You know, like Led Zeppelin, it was like a mix of blues and reggae, which made, you know, like a rock and roll, a whole new kind of a sound. All these great bands were mixes of things. Right. They didn't just listen to what they were doing. 100%. They expanded, right? So you can really take that and put that into anything. Just because it's not your thing doesn't mean you can't learn something from someone else's thing. And I think that really just emphasizes everything we've been talking about for the last uh, 15 minutes is never dismiss anything. There's always ideas and there's always lessons to be learned out of everything. Yeah. Whether it's your own art, yeah. you know, that you're creating and you're learning from or it's someone else's. Now, uh, we spoke a little bit about, um, you were asking Eason just about the whole process of building the props for a show and how he, him and Natasha actually uh, did the sound, the lighting and the music. Um, so that's all really important parts of a show. But I want to speak about with you, Eason, just when you have to put a show together the first few things you should think about and what are the things you save for later on in the creative process so let's say i was designing a brand new magic show what were the first few things that i want to create am i going to go and design it more to music 
or am I going to go and design it more to the theme? Now, just any steps or different techniques you have of uh, putting a show together from the ground up? Well, it kind of depends on, I guess, what kind of show you're going for, really. So let's just say a large uh, musical stage show. So whether it's dancing or whether it's, you know, a DJ on stage. Right. Well, yeah, I guess in that terms, again, you really just have to go for what theme are you, you know, shooting for, you know, your whole setting. You need to build that world that your product is living in. And once you understand that world and you've, you know, doodled and brainstormed and you've really fleshed it out, um, you can start to figure out where to go from there. You know, like if you are doing a, I don't know, musical set in Paris, France, then you start looking up Paris, France. What is the culture? What are the things they listen to? What do people sound like? Um, not even just the cliches, but all of the nuance, you know, of actual life there. All of it helps it become more rich of a product and more deep. And the deeper it is, the more you have to pluck from. And then you can start getting into the more nitty-gritty. You can start thinking about, you know, what songs are we going to use? Are we going to produce them? Um, you know, the costuming, the names of the people. And then, you know... Start yeah. writing up your story and script, and then just kind of, you know, it's dominoes, big dominoes, the feeling of it, all the way down to the minute of, you know, what ring would this particular person wear, mm -hmm. you know, with their costume. Down to where they're standing on stage. Everything. Yeah. Blocking so, it out, everything. That's a, that's a perfect starting point, is uh, just researching and just being an expert on whatever you're doing it in. If you're doing an escape, let's say you're a magician on stage, you want to be an expert in the history of that escape. It just makes you seem more professional when you're doing it, and it makes sure you can really flesh out everything as good as you can do. So it's a great starting point. Um, do you have any just tips out there for sounding and stage lighting? So let's say I want to design, you know, my lighting specifically to Paris, France for a romantic setting. So let's say I wanted a happy, fun kind of vibe on stage. Now, what are some sort of types of lighting I would want to look at for that, or different color palettes? Well, you definitely won't want to go um, too bold if you're going for happiness. Um, I guess keep away from the dark and the bold. You don't want to have too many contrasting colors unless you're really going for something Rococo and, you know, uh, really lush and kind of vit uh, uh, vibrant. Um, yeah, what's Rococo like? Rococo is... It's like a historical architecture, art kind of style. It's when you see a lot of... Like, imagine what you walk into, like, a French palace, and okay. there's a lot of floral decor, and it's all oh, gold okay. and swirly. That's kind of like Rococo. There, um, even though it is generally, I guess, more pale than bold, so, again, stay away from the bold, but they are very vibrant at the same time okay it's kind of weird you can be pale-ish but also vibrant how do you spell that for those like for anyone's curious and wants to rococo yeah oh i just sounded out i don't know <laughs> all right well i'm just rococo gonna say yeah. Palettes, yeah. yeah just type it in google we'll rococo and then you google images it and you'll see you know exactly you'll see the yeah. you'll see the feel that it, it gives you the general color palette it's pretty wide 
but when you smash it all together, it makes that style, you know? Okay. It's that's very perfect. floral, So that's I guess. definitely something we'll look into. And that's after. something I, I really wanted to get at is just that the lighting that you use can really affect the feeling of the oh, yeah. scene that's going on. So just really think about when you are choosing your lighting or designing lighting or talking to the stage crew at a theater about the lighting. That you just remember the feeling that those lights and the colors can evoke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can use real life or you can use art. Um, just really go and look for visuals on what you're doing. You know, uh, not necessarily just Google the word happiness, but when you think of happiness, think of images, search them and see what color palettes they are in reality, see what they are in film, see what they are in photography and just kind of log it all, save them, Mm -hmm. and see, okay, what tones are they using? Um, Are they pale? Are they bold? Are they dark? Are they high contrast? Are they all in the same color spectrum? Are they complementary colors of a certain area? It all, every color, every sound um, has their own kind of feeling and spectrum and way to use it to... uh, say a certain thing have a certain message so searching it up and figuring it out is definitely the first thing to do when you're thinking about your light um packages and i think that just goes back to just paying attention to everything around you learning from all the art around you now something that actually the the beatboxer i work with francis taught me was to watch something but in a different light so pay attention to a different thing each time you watch the same clip. So for example, we'd watch a YouTube video and we'd pay attention to the music. And then we would pay attention the next time to, you know, how the singer's performing the song and how they're moving. Then we'd pay attention to one more time watching it, just different colors they use in the video or different locations they use. So you can really dissect something because there's so many different moving parts of every type of art out there. Right. That uh, you can really break everything down and learn a lot from uh, almost anything. And that's, a really good tip, I think, just watching the same thing but breaking it down differently each time you watch it. One place that's uh, really helped me kind of figure out how deep, like film especially, I love film, um, but one place I've really discovered on how to dissect film well is on YouTube. There's these like videos called um, video essays and there are these people that they'll pick a certain subject or film or something like that, color, motion, sound, and they just dissect the hell out of it. And it's all movie-based, and it really opens your eyes to how much thought has gone into every single framing, color Mm -hmm. choice, everything, from, you know, the angle of the camera to the subject to how many times the subject moves in one shot everything is thought of and it's really awesome to learn all this and then to go and watch the movies and see it all in practice you're like holy wow there's a whole new you can see everything in a whole new light so i I find the video essays were really good for that so if you want to go look up some like uh, every frame of painting uh is a really good one nerd writer is a really good one on youtube um it really helps i guess make it accessible it teaches you really like straightforward like what colors work with what theme and what like music goes with like an emotion that you want to convey or not so much teaching you what goes well with what it just it it's straight up just 
shows you the subject he's talking about. He'll okay. be like, um, how Hitchcock blocks a scene. And it'll literally be a video on, it'll use drawings of this person is here, that person is there, this is the reason why. Oh, okay. You okay. know, it's a total breakdown. And it's totally easy to follow, and there's a lot of visuals, so it's really entertaining to watch at the same time. But you learn so much mm -hmm. in this, like, 10-minute video. Right. You'll never look at movies or media the same way again, because you're just... You'll see all of the conscious decisions of the creator, mm -hmm. as opposed to just... 100%. Face value. So I feel like it'd be a, a good exercise for someone that has the time is like to watch a movie and watch a video essay about, like, a scene from it, or, like, or the movie itself, and I'll go and rewatch it. Yeah. Take a new light. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's yeah, something uh, I like to do. Before we move on to our next segment, we have a special segment coming oh, up yeah. next. Oh, I've been waiting. Oh, uh -oh. God. But um, it's something great, and I actually do this with movies almost every time I see a new movie, is I'll watch it, and then I'll think about the movie after. Mm -hmm. Just different things about the movie, how I felt about the movie, um, what I liked and didn't like about it, and I go and watch movie reviews. So I'll go and throw on a YouTube video, either if it's from like a John Campia or Jeremy Johns, just anyone breaking down movies. Um, and it sort of just gives me a better sort of understanding of the themes of the movie or, you know, why I like something. It really right. reinforces in my mind what I like and what I don't like. So when I'm creating my own things, you know, I sort of have that subconsciously already there. The baggage from, you know, breaking down and knowing the breakdowns of all these different types of things. Right. And I think uh, just like watching YouTube video tutorials on breakdowns, something like a master class would be great to learn anything out there. Because we talk about this a lot, and I'm sure we said this on probably two episodes already so far, is you don't know where inspiration or where, you know, the next piece of art is going to come from. Yeah. See, so you can get a genius movie for, ma uh, for magic from a movie. Right. You can get a great idea for magic from a beatboxer. You can get a great idea for magic from seeing a dancer do something on stage. And it works both ways. You can get an idea for dancing from magic. 100%, yeah. So uh, it, literally, like you can get inspiration from anywhere in whatever you're doing. Even if it's like in plumbing. You know, look at different you know, types of construction work and you'll find new ways to do things. Just live There's life and pluck whatever you can from it. Pluck, pluck, pluck. Now, pluck. speaking of plucking, we brought something to pluck along to today. <laughs> something to pluck a lot of. Now, we're starting a new segment on the show. I figured since we're sitting here for about an hour every time we talked, we might as well have something to munch on. So each week, we thought it would be really fun to try some random foods from around the world. So do a different country or different part of the world each week. So we thought something easy and fun to start off with would be the Middle East. So we went on Uber Eats and we found the spiciest possible food we could. We got the suicide shawarma fries from Osmo's Grill. So as we uh, you know, continue our interview and continue our talk, we are going to burn our faces off. So if you hear anyone crying... It literally looks like lava. <laughs> it really does. It looks... Yeah. You ever see that scene in a Spy Kids, I think it was? No, no. Shrugboy and Lava Girl. And they're like, and they're like in that mountain, like that volcano area. That's what it's like. There's like some black and some deep I feel reds like we should and some post, vibrant reds. Take a picture of this and we should post, when we post the episode on our Instagram, a picture of what the food looks like. That's exactly what we're doing. I am happy that we're not doing that whole cricket thing. Because no, that, that'd be a hard no on my part. The cricket's already deep but... fried in the fries. So you won't even taste the crickets. Dear God. <laughs> so we're going to munch away at this. Hopefully this doesn't make us too, too crazy. Or maybe it will. Who knows? Now, uh, Eason, 
I actually know that you work on tons and tons of different disciplines, different jobs and different careers. And that's something I really want to speak about that we haven't got to speak about before in the past is how do you balance all these different jobs or different types of projects you do? Now, I know that you work for Monster Jam. So you work for Monster Truck, you build and you repair one of their monster trucks and you make sure it's all ready to go. Um, you work for Screamers and uh, on actually you built one of their haunted houses this past year. You work with me on designing and creating magic. You uh, have your own company, which we're going to speak about, Primal Screen Productions. So you build your own props and animatronics. Um, used to do a band, used to be a sniper in the military army cadets. So we got a man of 400 different talents here. Now, um, just before we get into any of those more specifically, can you just speak about how you balance all these different jobs wait, wait, or how we... you find out you know, what you should put your priorities into? Wait, before you do that, oh. we all have to take a bite of this. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to speak uh, after I take a bite out of this. Good. All right. A nice big red bite. Yep. Oh, God. Oh, okay. That's Is it bad if it's melting my fork? Yes. Is it bad if I'm already sweating? Oh, yours is so much smaller. I'm taking a... I'm, I'm trying to like get those off. All right. All right, everyone, we're going to cheers this, and we're going to take a bite on the count of three. All right, one, two, three. Cheers. Yep. It's not too bad. <laughs> yep, Ouch. I got a bad one. Oh, no. Mm. Ouch. Right. Illusion! <laughs> well, well, what was Discipline! Oh, wow. Ow! <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's hitting. That's I can feel my actual console. <laughs> right. It's so hot, I can feel Ow. everything in my mouth. We actually have glasses of milk down here. Lip they weren't lying when they said this is suicide. Yeah. Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> we thought it'd be funny if only me and Ethan got glasses of milk and not a meal. <laughs> oh yeah, I just noticed that. My bad. Yeah, and milk stealing. <laughs> so, how do you know... <laughs> As you're hyperventilating, Eason, how do you know what type of, um, or which one of your jobs or projects you should prioritize? Or how do you balance all these different things? Balance? I I don't know if I'd say I, I balance Wait, wait, before, before you even get into that, Eason, you're also in school too right now. So balancing yeah. school with all these work and projects as well. Uh, well, I guess that secret would really just be don't get friendly with sleep. <laughs> just um sleep for the week it's really it's a mentality kind of a thing um you know you either want it bad enough to where you don't care if you sleep or you know you don't and really that's that's that plus drive to do it you know i just i've never been comfortable with just doing one thing and having that as my shtick uh I don't know if it's just boredom and as soon as I get good at something, I, I leave and go do something else, learn it or whatever, but just never satisfied. Um, always want to move to something new. Um, how it's balanced, just lack of sleep, I guess. I just, I obsess about the next thing and I just do the hell out of it while also working on whatever I have to do first to get to that. Just don't get friendly with sleep, long story short. You just, if you want it bad enough, none of that leisure stuff matters. And you just, you make it happen, right? The thing is, yeah, like when you want to do it, you do find the time to make it happen. Um, And that's the difference that is like most students compared to like maybe you because you're doing things that you love doing. 
there's a lot of people go into like a major just because their parents want them to do it or just because they thought they wanted it but now they hate it like or they're too afraid to like back out and which, transfer which will probably drain them and then unfortunately mean they won't end up doing what they actually want to do and right. they'll just kind of rot and wait out their university or college life mm-hmm. which is a total waste because it's a great time of creativity and exploration right. and things you can do you know um so you don't i guess that's where the i guess the discipline has to come in not just for the not sleeping part but for the when you're up is sometimes you got to do the stuff you don't want to do to get to the stuff you do want to do right mm-hmm. um Fortunately, the program I'm in is decently fun. Uh, it's in the arts, so it's kind of what in the world that I'm doing. Uh, what's that program? I'm in an integrated media at OCAD University. Mm. So it's kind of the degree of multiple arts. So you'll do, you know, welding in the morning, and then you'll do classical oh, wow. painting, and then you'll do visual history, and then, you know, shoot a, like a short film at the end of the day. So it's really crazy, but that's the way I like it. A bit of everything. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think that's a, another big difference why you're able to, to do so many different projects with schooling. It's because you're actually in school working on something you love. You're learning something that you know is going to be useful, and you're literally using what you learn at your job the same day. Yeah. So everything you're learning in school, you're applying right away. So instead of having to you know go home and study and you know, spend a lot of time working on the schooling, you know, you're literally applying it in real life, mm-hmm. you're doing, and which I helps. think is great. And um, for anyone out there who's looking to get into arts, I think looking at different art schools is a great idea. We actually were speaking, um, I mean, I have the episode coming out soon, we we're speaking to a photographer, uh, just speaking about going to a film school and just learning how to create and different types of art. And uh, it's great if you're able to apply what you're learning to what you're working on at the moment. So it's just going to help you rank, um get that information, understand that information you're learning in school even more. I'm finding it hard to get information right now because I took two extra bites of this uh, <laughs> stuff. I was going to say, so, I see a sweat on uh, Aaron. Yeah. Legitimate. Yeah. <laughs> this is painful food. I'm doing okay. My uh, ancestral backgrounds are kicking in to defend me. Right. I, 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 I do think we should take another one, though. I do have a question. Does it count as working out if I'm sweating this much while eating? Yes. Am I eating Water and working weight. out at the same time? Water weight would yeah. count, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know if I'm losing more weight or gaining more weight eating these fries if right Kim now. If <laughs> Kim Kardashian can sweat her way to thinness, then so can you, Aaron. Now, um, I do want to speak a little bit about graphic design before we get into anything else. Because that ties a lot into what we even had to do at Screamers for our own show, creating our own image and logo. Now, um, you, you know a, diff- a bunch of different types of graphic design. You know how to edit movies. You know how to make your own images. You know how to edit different images. Um, I just want to speak about the different parts of graphic design and what do you think is really important for anyone out there who's in entertainment. Do you think it's a good idea to go out and learn how to create your own logos or uh, to get into graphic design at all? Um, yeah, I think graphic design, it it helps me immensely and I think it would help almost anyone because you're forced to deal with a flat canvas, right? And you're forced to really learn how to develop a deep image with layers, with, you know, depth. And you really have to kind of pull everything in. Like, 
movie posters, for example, there's so much information in them. They tell the story, they show you the characters, they have special effects in them, they have photography in them, you know, they can have hand-drawn elements. It's really a, a place where you can uh, have a marriage of all of these different skills and techniques and imagery. Um, so learning graphic design um, helps you because you're learning how to create something digitally, which is super important today. Um, you know, almost to the point of if it's not digital, it's not totally useful unless it's right. in a gallery. It's very true. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a perfect kind of a one-stop shop. Once you master the graphic designing, you know, in the Photoshop and the Illustrator and all that, and you can create something like a movie poster, you can really send it out to like a whole bunch of different places because you're using color palettes. Mm -hmm. You're using, you know, theming and what you're putting into it. You're using things like the rule of thirds and triangle of focus and a whole bunch of those really technical things that are put into every single poster for the most part that you don't realize is there. That gives you a place to learn all these things because triangle of focus, you know, rule of thirds, all that stuff, it all translates to film, to, you could put it into a painting, you could put it into, you know, your stage design, right. you could put it into, you know, a haunted oh, really? house, anywhere. I you can put it anywhere. the stage design part. Like, well, I mean, you're like, basically you creating a three-dimensional, you're creating a stage, right. right? You're creating something for the audience to look at. Right. So if you can use, um, you know, anything to, like the, how do I explain this? Like, I mean, the stage is a frame. Yes, the and stage is a frame, yes, and like line. a poster, you're s creating something that is visually engaging, deep, and pleasing to the right. audience. So if you can create uh, a triangle of focus, if you can avoid, you know, having your centerpiece dead center in the stage, which is like the opposite of the, what is it, the rule of thirds? Yeah, Never have thirds. something directly in the middle. Right, it's always the corner. Yeah, so do that to your stage. Have the sign a little bit up. Have yeah. the thing coming from, you know, just in the corner. You're creating a more dynamic looking stage right. as right. opposed to just right in the middle. Yeah. You know, so you can learn all that in graphic design. So I think it's a great tool, even if you have no interest in, you know, Selling digital images. Even for self Learn graphic design. Mm -hmm. I've been actually fascinated with graphic design for the past few months, and I'm someone I've never been able to draw like by hand. Like I've never been able to draw. I have no. Oh, me either. <laughs> I have no visual like visual arts talents. Like, that's not me. I'm more of a talking and performing kind of guy. Um, but I found it kind of hard to find the time to get into graphic design. Um, was especially like there's well, a lot of tinkering. Yeah. Right. Especially like with like being in school, working on magic. Um, like all the time, uh, Netflix getting in the way of that occasionally, like what's your advice for someone who wants to get into graphic design, like learning photo, like Photoshop, Illustrator, Lightroom, I guess would be, well, Lightroom not as much. Photoshop is, I guess, probably where I'd point to first. Okay. How come? It's in my opinion, the most, I guess, versatile and really, I guess it makes it easier to learn like straight up. Because you can go, if you, let's say you want to make a fake movie poster for yourself to just right. to learn how to start to do these kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. So you go to Google Images, you take a, a Google image of Doctor Strange, you take some fire picture from Google Images, you take 
a cool font and then you just kind of throw it all on the same canvas and you cut this out of that and you're just cutting all these images up it kind of turns into like a collage right and at some point when you've learned all the little tricks and tools that just cut and paste collage that you had turns into a completely new image right it becomes your own at that point. it becomes your own right. you know like you can put mr strange in the amazon mm -hmm. right and make it totally look legit you start to learn how to put in the shadowing and then right. you know you cut in an elephant from a different picture it's very basic the cutting and the pasting but when you're learning that's what you want you want it to be straight up like all right so how do i make this make this makeup poster for something mm -hmm. i just go and find a bunch of images cut them up slap them together and then like i said you learn the program and you learn how to blend all the edges you learn how to put things together how to color correct everything yeah and it's just a really nice streamlined basic way to get into it yeah and then once you understand that and the composition and the rules and all that kind of stuff you can start expanding into the other programs and you know putting even more into it yeah and to anyone that that's trying to find an excuse to why their skills are lacking i've actually heard about a guy recently who does all this editing stuff and graphic design professionally, photography as well, but he's colorblind. Mm. And he would always color correct with, like, he would guess. Interesting. But he does a very good job of it. Um, and his buddy actually hired him to, like, film all his videos and do all his editing uh, and bought him those N-chroma glasses so he could see color. Uh, and now, ah. now his actual color correctness will be that much better. But keep in mind, this guy made a career out of it beforehand while colorblind. Mm -hmm. So to anyone that thinks they have an excuse, you don't. Terry Fox. Yeah. There you go. All right? Good Anything you set your mind out to, mm -hmm. you can do. Yeah. Well, you can even say, um, oh my God, Peter Turner. Am I saying his name Richard right? Richard Turner. Richard Turner. Did you, you ever hear Richard Turner, Eason? So Richard Turner is probably the greatest card mechanic, so card magician, oh. in the world. Yeah. And uh, he's completely blind. Yes. He can't see. The he cards. does it so well too. Like he's yeah. just uh, there's a finesse about him. Oh yeah, oh, and yeah. it's it's, so it's passion. It's because he loves what he wants, to, what he does, and he wants yeah. to you know perform with cards so much. And he made that who he is. That it doesn't even matter that he's blind. He put in so many hours just holding and feeling the cards and coming up with his own techniques. Right. Because he loved it. And that goes right back to what we started talking about, you know? Yeah. If you want something enough, you'll find a way to do it. The guy's also a uh, black belt in karate. Mm -hmm. and... <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah and um, he, in order to get it, he had to be first place in like a tournament in like his dojo or school or whatever it was. And he was an adult at that point. And his uh, sensei, because he got second place, wanted to give him the honorary, like because he's blind, he got second place, like it's good, he wanted to give him the black belt. He said, no, unless I win, I don't want it. And so he did it again, and he won, and he's the bl he's a black belt, and he's blind, and he could kick any of our asses. He's like Daredevil. Yeah, yeah. he he's literally he's <laughs> literally he's literally it's the Daredevil. human Daredevil. That's Don't so poke true. your eyes out in the rain. Yeah. Accuracy. Yeah, that's actually yeah. He's Daredevil. I never thought of that. No, uh, I want to get a little bit to more of the different types of things you do. Wait, wait let's. Grab another bite. Let's everyone get Oh, another, another bite. Oh. Everyone another bite. I was hoping you forgot about this. Ah. Usually I'm the spice guy. I'm like usually okay with well, no, no spices. I hate it, but I, I just gotta, you gotta make it interesting, you know? I got a bad Everyone, bite. Everyone wants us to like be ba feel bad right now. I'm not even gonna cheat. That's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's right. cheers it. One, two, three. Cheers. Cheers. Ah. I want that. <laughs>
All right, we're going to take a second to chew. Commercial break without the commercials. Yeah, all right. Woo. Okay. Pop Molly, I'm sweating. Oi, oi, oi. So, Woo. since you do a lot of different projects, Ethan, um, I was just sort of uh, want to talk about a little bit about the pitching process and how you would go about pitching yourself or your project or your product to a company. Um, for example... Um, you can even speak about what we did with Screamers. So how we went and we sold that show. Or how you went and you sold yourself to get um, a job at Monster Truck. Or how you went and sold yourself as a builder for Screamers. How would you go about pitching yourself? Um, yeah. Well, Monster Trucks was kind of a weird animal. Because that was... I literally became a part of the Monster Truck world professionally. Just out of pure obsession. Um, I found out where the monster trucks were heading and then I just show up to shake their hand. Like, you know, hundreds, there've been hundreds and thousands of kilometers that I've driven without, you know, a single cent coming back to me. Um, so that was kind of its own thing. So I guess that lesson is just determination. If you want to go do it, you go do it. Right. Um, persistence. Right. Um, but in terms of the others, there's... I guess a bunch of different ways to sell a bunch of different things. Um, Speak about selling a show, because I think that's what most <clears> of um, you know. Most of us listening are probably entertainers and performers. So let's say you wanted to sell your show to an event. Well, you have to love it. You got to build that whole package. <laughs> I'm good. And um, you get it. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm no struggling. one was checking a meal. I'm struggling. <laughs> oh, that was for me. That was purely for me. <laughs> I was checking. Um, but yeah, love the project, build, um, something that is totally immersive to the person that you are pitching to, Mm -hmm. you know, like when we pitched the, uh, kill show, we already had an idea of what we wanted to do. We already had a logo done. So all of the, the visual, I guess, teasers were done, you know, you don't give them too much, but you give them enough to grab onto, to know that you're going to do something cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're giving them all that visual proof. Uh, you never want to give your full show away. No, until something's been signed on the dotted line, you never give everything away. Mm-hmm. No, it's very important because uh, some people will burn you for it. And it happens, and we A lot. See, all three of us see it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, you build your visual package. If you can put in some kind of sound in your, you know, slides, that's great too. Um, concept art, really anything you can give to really sell that you believe in it, that there's real thought put into it, right? that it's deep. That it's not a money grab. No, that it's not cheap. It's not something that they can just, you know, it's not a visit to McDonald's, right? It's something... Specific to you. So it's highlighting your strengths. Yes. It's a you thing, and you are selling you. You are selling you, and you are selling your ideas and project. Mm-hmm. And you need to sell the, you know, the heck out of it with your belief. You know, you could even, not, you could, your concept art could be shady. It doesn't have to be, you know, Beautiful. the greatest, An artwork. Yeah. you know, you don't have to go and, you know, pen to, you know, pay Mozart to go and paint it. Mm. Right. You know, if they can understand it, and you really flesh it out and it's all about the pitch really 
you know, I see a lot of great artists and they're really great at what they do, but they have no, I guess, um, speaking skills. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's, I don't know. Oh, 100% uh, that relates. Lack of passion for what it is or uh, confidence or whatever it is. But you you just got to be the most confident person in the room when you walk in. You're saying, hey, this is what I got. You know, take it or leave it. I really think you should take it. This is why. Here's proof that it's going to be really great. That's an important piece, too. And um, there's different ways you could back up that proof. And I think it's really important the way that you do it because you don't want to walk into a meeting and saying, I'm so good because I've done this class. Yeah, you don't want to be cocky. I've done this. But a good way to say it. You just want to believe in yourself. 100%. But a good way to to sort of get across the different clients you've done or that you do have experience is giving specific examples. Let's say it was for Screamers. Um, you said you were working on an, a horror-themed escape room before that, so you could say, hey, uh, when I was designing the show, when I had I have experience building this horror escape room here, so I can take a lot of the concepts from that and use them for this. So you can sort of tie in the different projects you've done to this project, and that's one way of showing you have experience, showing you're liable without seeming... Yeah, you definitely bring out your resume, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and, like, fully polish it, really be, you know pressing i've done this before you know you're not a newbie um you could be doing something for the first time like uh my mom for example she had her own restaurant and newspaper but i think it's like the fourth largest broadcaster on planet earth globo tv Mm -hmm. um from brazil chose her to be the the guy the event planner for their independence day festival that they do around the world they do it in japan they do it in new york they do it everywhere and they wanted it in toronto Mm. they picked her no event planning experience whatsoever but they picked her and this event went on for like five years wow they wanted it to go on further uh she didn't want to but we had eighty thousand people attending wow we had stars shipped over from brazil you know, megastars like the Biebers. Yeah. Right, of Brazil, pretty much. We had um, Lionel Richie. Wow, call that is awesome. Lionel Richie called my mom and was like, I want to be in. She said no. Wait, wait, wait what? Why? <laughs> well, it was Brazilian Day Canada, so we had to have either Canadians or Brazilians. He's okay. American. Got it. It would have been great, but you yeah. got to stick to your guns. That's true. Right? But, so, basically, the story... Uh, the story of that even if it's something you haven't done yet if you have the resume to i guess support why you're in the room in the first place and then you give them a package that they can see and get excited about and you're excited about it and you have the personality or speaking skills to get them invested you know mm-hmm. you can sell whatever well what if, um what if you're a you know, like you're, you're confident in your project, you know you can do it, you know you can pull it off, but you don't have that prior experience. You get the experience. So, right. Well, I mean, like, how like would you which experience? Pitching? So, for example, you're in the room, right? Yeah. And um, you're talking about um, bringing your, like, your past resume, everything you've done before, but what if this is your first, your first showdown, you know, your first encounter with this pitch for your idea? Uh, you want so to you don't have a resume? You or... don't have a resume yet. So this is your first thing? Yeah. How would one go about pitching that? Because you 
can rely on your previous things. Well, first of all, you won't be able to charge much. Right. But I mean, if you're starting in anything that you're never really able to charge much. That's true. So in terms of the buyer, that's a plus. They don't have to pay very much. Um, But they will, at the same time, they'll have their ass on the line if it's a bad product. Mm -hmm. So really, that's all the silver tongue, really, in my opinion. If you don't have much to back you up, it's all on the silver tongue. You have to really show that you believe in it, that you have the drive to do it, that you're going to give your all, and you have to make them believe it. You have to make a personal connection with the person you're selling, basically you, too. Right. Right? You're selling you to this person. Right. You need to make this person, even if it's the first time you've ever met them, like you, believe in you. Make them want to give you a shot. It's so important. You know? can't emphasize how important that really is. They have to be, like, your best friend by the time you leave that room. Otherwise, yeah. you didn't get the job. Right. You know? So, yes. really, that's, I don't know, the only way you could do it if you have nothing background-wise walking in the door. You just gotta, just gotta shake them the hands, yeah. make them smile, you know? Yeah. Also, don't seem desperate would be a good tip. No, yeah. Don't, don't be like, don't let them know that if you need this to, like, land, they need this client... Don't let them know that you absolutely need it. Just like Yeah, never say you need it. Yeah. Say, it would be good for you if you let me try. Exactly. And uh, you can always go, let's say you're trying to sell a show. You can always, if you have a little extra money, if you can spare, you know, rent out your own theater and sell the seats at cost. So, you know, you won't make money. Right. But at least you can, you know, say you've done a theater. You have footage. Go out and do a free show or two to get that resume. And if you Um, don't have the money to rent out a theater, like we said at the very beginning, if you don't got the money, just be creative. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a theater. You can live stream a show. Exactly. You know, have it in your basement. Clear it the whole basement. Make it an empty box. Build yourself, you know, (laughs) get get, uh, like Bristol board or something. Put it in the back and draw a really sweet logo on it or whatever. I'm trying to picture a a full-on stage magic show live streamed on Twitch or YouTube. (laughs) <laughs> it's just such Put a funny visual to audio me. track of we'll audience be the first yeah. we'll be pioneers let's do it <laughs> now well, we'll just quickly talk on a couple other things you've done if you have any really funny stories whether or not it was building a haunted house or working with the monster trucks or creating your own <laughs> escape room because I know escape rooms really blew up in the last few years yeah. so maybe there's be a, a movie little... about it now yeah there's a movie coming out so maybe a little interesting to speak a little bit about uh, your experience doing the escape room uh I usually get a pretty good chuckle when I go to the stores for whatever it is, if it's an escape room or a show or whatever have you. (laughs) The shopping carts that I end up with after a um, material run, as I call it, it's they usually get a pretty good stares because I'll be at the cashier and it'll be like rope with like (laughs) Vaseline (laughs) and like a rubber glove. (laughs) And, you know, some, like, spikes or something. What are you building with a rubber glove, Vaseline, and a well, rope? Like, you can make it, I don't know. Do we really want to <laughs> You know? can make anything out of anything, is what I'll say. Um, but, yeah, those are usually some really funny looks. Um, whenever I, I had to transport a whole bunch of corpses, like, not real corpses, but uh, for the haunted houses in the summer. So just seeing the heads turn on the highway is usually huh. pretty sweet because they'll just see this totally grotesque you know pussing face looking straight out my window that looks dis- and it sounds yeah. disgusting 
Yeah, it, it well, it's, yeah. <laughs> Disgust, disgusting is the currency now. Mm -hmm. um, but those are, those are always funny to see. I remember uh, going to your house this past October, or, or even September, probably early September, and walking in and seeing two corpses on the floor. And I remember yeah. just taking a Snapchat being like, yep. It's Halloween right season. The, right at the bottom of the stairs. you see dead bodies on the floor. Yeah. Because that's normal. Yeah. Well, it's it's hopefully going to be. You can have corpses and dead things all over the place all year. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I do not agree. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> now, Emil, with any uh, big takeaways you took from today's episode? Yeah. Other than uh, do not eat these fries if you like yourself at all. Okay, hold up. Before I get to our takeaway... Um, these fries are actually delicious with this chicken. They are delicious. They're really good. It is a good chicken. Yeah, but painful. Is, yeah, that's the word. I still feel it in my stomach. I still feel it in my throat. My lips burn. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I think my takeaway for today would be just, I guess, the pitch thing where you gotta go just persuade them, be confident, but don't be an asshole. And be their best friend. Be their best friend. Yeah, that's that's the big lesson there. Be their best friend by the time you're gone. Because then they'll even even if they don't like your product as much, which they should like it, they'll like you more and they'll wanna help you give you get, a shot. Yeah. They'll be like, Alright, I see you buddy. Let's go. And it's a lot of um you get a lot, like a lot. I've spoken to a lot of people. And you get a lot of projects and opportunities from who you know 100 percent. yes that's no, for a lot sure of my work. you know you don't really have to have the resume sometimes yeah you just got to be likable i right. guess and someone will give you a shot and then that person who will know a guy who saw you do that will give you a shot and mm. then suddenly you're like all over the place yeah it's that's one thing that's really great about i guess the art community yeah that. so be social be skilled at what good at what you do and be proactive in the community I think another really big thing, too, that we uh, spoke about today was just no idea is garbage. Every idea no. you can learn something from, every idea has Ideas value. can be garbage, but any idea can be turned into a good idea. Yes. Yes, every idea has value. Yes. Awesome. Uh, well, this has been a ton of fun. My name is Emil Daniel. My name is Aaron Matthews. And my name is Ethan Nuttall. Wow, weird name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great week. We'll see you all next week. Toodles. Bye.